Hi, everybody. This is No Chick Flick Moments. I'm Remy. Hi. Hi, Remy. I am B. And this is our Supernatural Watchcast. And today we are covering the season 14 finale, season 14, episode 20, Moria. We are here. We're, we're we were here. just talking about how like nerve wracking it is to be here, and I don't know why because it's such a great episode. When I was when we were doing our initial countdown t- to cue this episode, I was like, "Pause! I can't. I'm. I'm. I- <laughs> B. My heart is like pounding." <laughs> I'm really stoked. I finished watching this episode again maybe half hour ago and I'm just high on life. Let's do this. <laughs> let's let's do it. Okay. So, uh this is episode 20 Moria. It was written by Andrew Dab. It was directed by Phil Sagricia. And the description reads, Sam, Dean, and Castiel are thrown into an epic battle. Meanwhile, Jack becomes disenchanted with all the lies, and an old friend from the past shows up. What an old quote-unquote friend. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is my first time with Chuck, so this is very interesting. I mean, Chuck as God. Chuck as... Spoilers. Spoilers, not spoilers. (laughs) Ready to jump in here, Remy? I... I, I, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> no, but, like, seriously, this is, I, I haven't been this nervous since episode one. Like, I, 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 maybe this is what it's all been building up to when, when I like to say, like, oh, my God, guys, we're, we're trucking along. We're getting so close. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, shit, we're here. I know. I can't believe we're here. It feels like just a couple weeks. Well, not a couple <laughs> weeks. We've put in a lot of work since then, but... <laughs> Since, like you said, we watched episode one, and we're like, hey, let's do a podcast. Oh, my God. But, but yeah, let's let's jump in. We, we come in right where we left off. Yes. The season recap bleeds directly into this episode. The oh, shit moment that we saw when facing Jack in the shadows. Yeah. And um, now we, <laughs> and Jack is not so much in the shadows. He is flanked by fire. And yes. his eyes are glowing and he is menacing. Yes. And so me, I'm like, Jack, you ain't scary. They're trying to make him spookums, though. Jack, you And, you know, Sam, Dean, and Cass look a little bit nervous. I mean, considering (laughs) you just put him in a box and then pop goes the weasel. And, oh, yeah, the weasel (laughs) fucking got out of the Malik box. Whoopsie doodle. And not only that, but we got him in there by lying to him. Like, ooh. Ah. That's the very first thing that we hear is Jack going, you lied to me. That's all he really has to say to them right now. Yeah, you lied to me. And Cass takes a half step forward and he tries to, you know, say, Jack, in a a kind of like, okay, let's just calm down and talk about this for a second. But no, Jack yells, you lied. And he uh, tosses his power at Sandine and Cass. Yes, he shocks them backward and they get tossed into the debris in the location around them. And like, honestly, I this is a very mild reaction I would consider of what Jack could do for what just happened to him. 
I, I, I can't, I can't sit with you here because like it was, he was in the box for five minutes. I'm not, I, he is an infant and these were his parents and they lied to him to we lock don't... him in a box with the intention of keeping him there forever. Jack doesn't and all he know did... that. Jack doesn't even know that. That was Jack's whole thing with Lucifer last episode. Is like, they didn't tell you anything. Like, the whole thing here is like, this is the first time his parents have lied to him <laughs> to his face. And, I mean, knowing someone with his power, he fucking accidentally killed someone in Tombstone. Like, he didn't have any idea of his powers. And as we hear Dean say within this scene, like, the kid leveled up. Jack could have done a whole lot worse without even knowing it. And instead, all he did was bim them back into <laughs> the debris on the wall behind them. I know it's more than that for a human body, but I'm like, on the scale of things, you guys got really lucky for how pissed he could have been. Well, he he is pissed or is he i don't know because when we next see jack he doesn't seem pissed so much as very distressed and i'll talk about that but um but for here um you know Cass, sam and dean they pick themselves up from the floor and immediately turn on each other yeah the sirens go silent the red lights go off and Cass approaches the twisted hulk that was the malik box and is just wondering how this happened because malik box supposed to hold an archangel but as we said dean goes apparently the kid leveled up and they've got no game plan no idea how to find jack again so of course Cass takes the time to scold dean for putting them in this place to begin with yeah, yeah. Uh, Cass is saying, I I can't believe that you would lock him up like that. And Dean fucking goes for it. He says, lock him up? I didn't even want to lock him up. I had to. I wanted him dead. Yeah, he fucking ups the ante beyond what oh, I was expecting. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's an escalation from even what we were hearing in 19. Is And 19 was an escalation from 18. Like, oof. Yeah. So how did you feel about uh um it, Dean saying this? He, 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 he turns to Sam and says, we'll find another way. Uh, well, because Sam says, we can't kill him. What are we going to do now? And Dean says, we'll find a way because we've killed every every monster under the sun. And Jack, he's just another monster. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like in this moment was really Dean's anger, his hurt, all of these things. Because he hasn't really spoken face to face with Cass very much in the last two episodes. And here Cass, like I said, he goes in scolding and Dean just retaliates. And yeah. he accuses Cass of knowing for a long time that Jack was dangerous. Like Dean is passing the blame back to Cass here. Yeah. He's, we didn't even have to be in this position if you had just stepped up earlier, basically. Yeah. And I feel like Dean is he's moving on to a path of vengeance more than he realizes. And we're seeing these steps quite rapidly progress in this episode. Yeah, I, I, I feel that. Um, Dean is definitely coming back around to, this is your fault 
that we saw from him towards Cass in absence. Um, Yeah. And when he says that he wants Jack dead and they're going to kill him and Cass goes, you don't mean that. Dean says, the hell I don't. And he steps forward challenging. Like, I feel a bit like he is also reinforcing for himself, like... I don't know if I would say it's a performance because he certainly doesn't think of it that way, but it is through action confirming for himself what he thinks needs to be done. Do you think it's that same kind of blind determination uh, that we saw from him in The Spear from like episode three when he was first free of Michael? And then, oh, it was the scar, excuse me. The scar? Yeah. And the spear? Like when he's gone after Kaya. I do feel like this feeds in again with also what we saw in Absence that Dean is someone who needs a goal. He needs a plan to commit to because when he stalls, when he stops and thinks about these things, it becomes too real and too unsettling. And it's just more comforting perhaps to have an idea of Jack in mind and a goal in mind and to chase that without considering the alternatives because when you start considering you get into that gray area and you start getting lost. I mean, I I agree, but you know what? Fuck this. I'm with Cass. Cass yeah. Cass does not back down from that challenge that Dean issues and he turns away almost in, you know, disgust. I, I don't it it doesn't read to me as disappointment like you disappointed me. It's just like I I can't believe you right now and he just walks away. Yeah. I get a little bit of that, too, because he knocks Dean's shoulder as he storms out. Yeah. And that first little bit of scolding them, he was making eye contact with Sam. Like, he, I get the impression that Cass can understand or is almost kind of expecting this from Dean, this hot-headedness, uh-huh. but it's Sam that he's shocked that's going along with. So he's expecting Sam to be the voice of reason. Ergo, he isn't expecting rationality from Dean. He's expecting emotionality. I I did get that um, from, you know, between Cass and Sam. Um, Cass did give Sam a little double take when Sam really was falling more on the side of backing up Dean than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what Sam has been doing. He knows that Dean is going to charge off and do something. And so Sam is sticking by his side because he doesn't want his brother treading dark waters on his own. Dark fucking waters. I'm going to... I'm going to punch something. (laughs) Because because, uh, Cass leaves and then... Sam and Dean are left alone and Sam is is uh, saying again what do we do now and uh, Dean says I don't know call Rowena see if she can cook up one of those soul bombs and again I want to fucking punch something because <laughs> because Sam Sam is standing there and he's like a soul bomb like you were going to use against the darkness he's oh. so apprehensive no he's not just you know you can see on his face he's like really that's what we're doing like he doesn't want to be doing these things but i mean good luck pulling dean off the railroad tracks that he is careening down but okay this this one thing just breaks continuity for me a a little bit because dean says soul bomb and sam is like oh that's risky but okay and i'm like 
it's a it's a it's a suicide mission. So you say okay here, and then you call Rowena, and you're like, okay, she's in. Um, you know what I'm thinking? What I'm thinking? That Sorry, I didn't mean to doesn't... sound quite no, so like fine. fuck you. Hello, yes, this is B channeling Andrew Dab, taking all of your anger. <laughs> No, I know. I think that Sam is agreeing because he doesn't think that's going to work. He's just, okay, Uh yeah, let's go down that path because he has to get through Rowena. Rowena has to be capable of doing it. They have to be capable of finding Jack. Like, there are so many barriers down this road Uh that I feel like Sam's okay is really... You go and do that, Dean. will put that into motion. <laughs> but really hoping to God that the steam is going to leave Dean's engine and he's going to slow down and cool off at some point before that actually takes place. We'll fucking see. We'll fucking see. So I kind of want to go to uh, Sam and Dean pulling up to uh, mirror universes where they go. And then, you know, we have that Sam on the phone with Rowena. But right before this, we have a Jack scene. Yes. Jack is walking through a busy area of a city and he's eavesdropping on all the conversations that are happening around him. And they all are centering around these little white lies that people are telling. You know, she's just a friend from work and it's not you, it's me. And just because mommy and daddy aren't going to be together, we still love you. Nothing's (laughs) going to change. Your profile said you were 6'1". Oh my God. She was so tall. I'm like, beautiful. <laughs> oh my god. And the small kid, I'm sorry, I'm taking a moment here. The small kid who was wearing plaid and a trench coat, I'm like, we have a Jack metaphor right fucking here. Oh and my like god. the parents are breaking up and I'm like, yeah, Jack, you you see that conversation and you're like, okay, fuck this. Oh, I did it. I, that's funny. I love that. I'm like, there's no way a kid would be wearing that outfit intentionally. That was done by props. I don't know. Costuming. Uh Uh-huh. It was intentional. Blah, blah, blah. But yeah, all the lies. Jack just is done with them. And, And he turns on this courtyard at large and he yells, stop lying. And we have a brief freeze frame where just the universe pauses and yeah the record skips yes yes and then and then everyone just keeps going on their merry way yeah and we have no idea what the consequences are for this moment yet uh don't we (laughs) don't well we we haven't seen it but (laughs) the looming on the event horizon here as we go to mirror universe this building that sam and dean have driven up to And Sam is on the phone with Rowena. We don't hear her side of the conversation, but he has managed to convince her to be on board with their soul bomb plan, although she is telling them that it's a long shot, it's dangerous and insane. Yeah, yeah. So still, I'm like looking at my TV like, Sam, what are you doing, bro? But whatever, whatever, it's fine. He doesn't look happy about it because, again, Dean takes another time here in this episode to try and reassure him. But Sam just isn't having any of it. He doesn't have patience for it. He just climbs out and they both go inside. 
Yeah, yeah. And Dean is kind of like, what are we doing here? It's a it's a real techie kind of area. Dean yeah, feels looks very around. Silicon Valley. Yeah, yeah. Dean looks around and he's like a bunch of nerds. What? Uh, and this wonderful moment. <laughs> Sam here pointing out that Dean is a nerd too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, takes one to know one, Sam says. And, Dean, and Dean's a bit taken aback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? And so Sam is recounting, you know, you're a musical nerd. You watch Jeopardy. You're in on all of these things. And it's so nice to see Sam being the one who acknowledges this for Dean. Because we have talked about this privately a bunch. But when Dean is sort of veering outside of that cool guy persona and Sam shines a spotlight on it, you can see Dean often retracts and hides away from that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be known for liking Taylor Swift. He doesn't want to be known for all of these things that seem atypical versus what Sam expects of him. Yeah. But but um, here we have uh, Sam, you know, good naturedly just kind of poking fun. Like, oh, you call me a geek, but you know, the true nerd here is you and you know it. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't even know if I called poking fun. Like, it was just acknowledging. Oh, no, it was. Like, Dean, yeah. you don't have to have that front. I know that you're a geek. Like, I know you're nerdy about these things. So what are you doing pretending you're not? Uh-huh. uh-huh. It, wasn't, it wasn't teasing so much as... Uh, or I should say, it wasn't making fun so much as it was just, just really good-natured teasing, and yeah, and it was so, so well-meaning that there was no offense taken. Yeah, and Dean didn't seem discomforted by the fact that Sam is pointing this out. He just settled into it, and he silently agrees that it's true. Like he doesn't say anything, but he still draws a line between himself and these Zuckerbergs, as he calls them. And I, I, I was already like side eyeing it when, when uh, Jack said, "Stop lying." But uh, here with this little Sam Dean interaction, I'm like, "Oh God, are we, are we in a fan fiction right now?" I know. I because again, I watched this episode an hour before you did. I think I messaged you at like twenty minutes in. I'm like, Remy, it's a goddamn fan fiction, <laughs> and you're like, what does it mean? And if I, I, I soon knew what it meant because I and I was so here for it. I'm like, oh my god, we just truth serumed the universe. I yeah. am l- freaking out. Oh my god, I love it so much. Okay, so they're at Mirror Universe because they are trying to find a way to trace Jack's location using his face. And this place has contracts all over the world, facial recognition technology. So bada boom, bada bing, we just want to use their machinery. Mm -hmm. And so Dean goes to introduce himself to reception, but it comes out with his real name and intentions. (laughs) Hi, I'm Dean Winchester and I'm looking for the devil's son. And he's just so taken aback by it. And she's also like, what? And so he tries again. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. It's the same, but this time he tacks on, this badge is fake. (laughs) I love this scene so much because this receptionist played it, like this extra played it so well. Jensen played it so well. It was hilarious. And it was just carried by the strength of their acting. And I was on the fucking floor. 
I was so excited. Because you see, yeah, Jensen does have such wonderful comedic timing. We talk about Uh it all the time. And just he does this little smirk and like, oh, okay. And goes back to regroup with Sam. Sam is standing by the side wall and he's eavesdropping on the conversations. And like two guys walk past and I know you're sleeping with my wife. I know, I'm kind of into it. Uh And so, oh, okay, that's weird. And then Dean comes here and he's immediately wanting to test Sam, asking him who his favorite singer is. And uh, and uh, Sam is just like trying to catch up. He's like, what? And Dean says, who's your favorite singer? I know you always say Elvis, but that's a damn lie. So who's your favorite singer? Tell me right now. Yeah, and Sam goes, it's just like you said, it's Celine Dion. And he just, oh my god, it looks like a fly (laughs) fell into his mouth or something. He just pops his head back and he's like, what happened? (laughs) I mean, Celine Dion. And then he's doubly confused. He's like, what's happening? It's it's Celine Dion. Dean, why can't I say Celine Dion? Dean, Dean, yeah, I know. It's the sad, horrible truth coming out right now. Uh Uh-huh. And then out in the office beyond, we start seeing chaos devolving. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, you know, uh, at this point, I was thinking truth serum, but it wasn't until, you know, this moment that I, I really, oh, I guess with when the guys walked by, by with the, you know, I'm fucking your wife. Oh, sorry. PG-13. But... <laughs> When have we been PG-13? Well, so, yeah, but I, I don't want to put my dirty words in the mouths of others. That's just rude. <laughs> oh, um, Remy, it's such a bad line to be drawing on the 20th episode of a podcast we have been doing. <laughs> so, you know, I'm it's sleeping a little with your late. wife. Um, but I did think that it might have just been Sam and Dean, you know? No, uh, mm-hmm. but 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 no, it's everyone. And like you said, this is when we see the whole office just dissolve into chaos. Uh, some guy comes out wielding a spoon, and he says, "Who ate my yogurt?" And uh, uh, another man in the office immediately volunteers. Yep, that was me. Yeah, and <laughs> we see these people. They're having phone conversations with others. They're arguing with each other, like details about someone getting paid more than another person. Someone stealing someone's parking lot all of these things are all of a sudden fair game and out in the open yep and it's just rumble in the fucking jungle out there uh yep time to fight time to fight and dean herds sam into this little conference room and they're like what the hell what is happening Yeah, they've sequestered themselves away, and in this small office, there is a television on, and it is showing that the effect is global. There's just no lies happening on Earth right now. And we get this cute little bit about the television reporter speaking about the unnamed president at this time. I mean, (laughs) we named him last season, but there is mention of the president's demon deal with Crowley. I really loved that. I was like, aww. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. A nice little, I guess, nod to what we would expect in this world. Yeah, it was fun, though. Um, uh, Even though, oh, America. Oh, America. But yeah, (laughs) at least Supernatural's having fun. Yeah. Yeah. And so Sam and Dean, they are staring at the TV and they just figure it's got to be Jack. And so they need to find him stat. 
And we leave the mirror universe office here with this one woman who's walking through the chaos and her arms are brimming with staplers and she is just declaring proudly, I am the stapler queen. Yep. Yep. So at least someone's having fun with this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then um, after the commercial break, we open with Cass's beautiful blue eyes. I was like, there's no pupil. It's just the sky. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we've cut directly to Cass in an alleyway. He is looking at the camera and he goes, I need to go to hell. And then we flip perspectives and there's a a woman on the other side of the door also peeking through this, um, what are they called? Um, Peephole? Peephole, sure. And and she says, um, you mean metaphorically or... And Cass is done. He says, I mean literally. I need to go to hell and, and I hear that you can get me there. And this woman blinks her eyes to black and I am living for this because... I know. I I love this scene, even though I was so disappointed when we didn't br- bring it forward. Yeah. Because the, the, here we have an angel and a demon talking about hell in the cage and all of these things that we haven't seen demons beyond, I guess, uh, a fucking the couple that were with uh, Lucifer, not Lucifer, Nick. Um, Kipling, too. Yeah, beyond um, beyond game night, we haven't seen or heard anything about demons since Kipling, since episode one of this season. And I have yeah. been waiting for this all season. Like, where is hell? I feel like that kind of got shut down in the first episode when we heard Sam declare there will be no new king of hell. Like that storyline has gone dormant and I'm very curious for season 15. But we'll talk about that next episode. Uh Right now, as you say, we have this demon behind the door. She's entirely unsympathetic to Cass's plight. She points out, you've been to hell more than once, you know, last that I've heard. But he wants to go physically. He wants to study the cage. And so she sends him metaphorically to hell. (laughs) Just shuts the people on him. That conversation route is done. I wanted more of them. I know, but it's such a good beat. Uh Uh-huh. And Cass doesn't even have a moment to hang there dejected because there is a familiar voice behind him that just goes, wow. And he turns around, and it is Chuck in a dapper red jacket, just almost gleefully saying, (laughs) you guys are screwed. Oh my god, it's Chuck. And I think that on initial viewing, I think that you were, you had expected Chuck, like you knew enough to expect Chuck. There was enough onset stuff that you kind of had an idea that he would be there. But I must have missed all of those like set spoilers because I because I knew that you uh, and, and a few other friends were like theorizing that it was going to be Chuck. But I thought it was just that theorizing and um, like who is this familiar face that we're going to be seeing? But uh, here is Chuck and here is Chuck in the first 10 minutes of the episode. And Chuck with a goddamn aw shucks face. <laughs> Sorry. We don't hang here very often. 
and we move right away. We go to this door knock and a woman that we've seen before opens the door on Jack. Yeah. Jack's yep. grandmother. Yeah. And he just waltzes inside, oh my but God. his maternal grandmother does not seem pleased to see him. No, I didn't. I was so nervous this scene. I was just so nervous and, and fucking sick because what really got to me this scene is that like jack says he said um he comes inside and he turns to mrs klein and he says i i came here and we had a talk and i really liked that talk and i was hoping that we could talk again and i'm like me too bud i yeah <laughs> because i really really loved um jack's first interaction with his grandparents it was a a great scene it was um a heartbreaking scene but it was really well done and it was really emotional i thought um yes it was really heartening too you saw him connecting with his mother's side all the more yeah and here from the from the get-go um we see that mrs klein it knows something that she didn't before she is very very wary and um uncomfortable and i'm like no i don't want you to sully the memory of what the of the cuteness from last time i guess don't don't ruin this for me i'm like it's so necessary for jack to come here though like Uh. he comes here he's saying he just wants to talk like i get the feeling that he's feeling really hurt and betrayed by sam and dean at this point so his what would the winchesters do has now changed to wwkkd like what would (laughs) kelly klein do he's reaching out to what he sees as what's left of his broken family and he's just looking for some loving family moment where he feels safe and cared for and connected to, especially to Kelly. And here his grandmother just refuses. And she says that Jack lied to them. They looked him up after the last visit and no one connected to Kelly knows who he is. And here we see Jack's white lie on his first visit now coming back to haunt him. He thought nothing of it at the time. And then here it is laid out bare, the consequences of that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Mrs. Klein is getting really, you know, emotional. And she's saying that we don't know who you are and we don't know where Kelly is. And they think she's dead. And who are you and what did you do? Yeah, she what says. did you do to my daughter? Oh my god! She's and Jack's so- stammering through some sort of response, but she's getting more irate, and Jack, with his powers, just goes, stop. Yeah. <laughs> so we are left to go, okay, what? How did oh that go? God. Grandma, you okay, Chima? <laughs> Man, but, oh, like I said, my stomach was just sinking the entire time. Not because I was afraid for, you know, Mrs. Klein. It was just because, because I was, you know, I guess sitting with Jack on this scene and... We're seeing Jack grow up so fast in this episode. He's become disillusioned with his parents. He's now realizing that 
I mean, to be really, I'm stabbing myself in the chest here, but he's realizing, like, family isn't always there for you. They're not just there because they're your family. And what a heartbreaking thing to learn. Yeah, man. For this, for this one scene, for this one relationship, Jack, I really wanted it for you, buddy. Mm-hmm. So and ugh. and yeah, to the narrative at large, what we are seeing is Jack's black and white idea of all lies are bad, so stop lying. Now he is confronted with the fact that yeah. he's used lies in the past, and they were white lies, and they were there to comfort people. So oh shit, it's not black and white. It's that gray space again that Jack struggles with so terribly. Yeah, he hasn't been taught how to deal with it. Yeah, but. Yes, we hang on this moment. What just happened when he yelled stop? Yeah. And um, actually, right before this, right before we actually go through the whole Jack and Mrs. Klein talk, we did cut back to uh, Chuck and uh, Cass in that alley. And, oh, Cass. <laughs> he says, God? And mm-hmm. Chuck is just, mm, mm-mm, mm <laughs> No. Cass just almost rolls his eyes and goes, okay, Chuck. And yeah. then bingo. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing here? And Chuck, in his fucking face, he just is like, uh, you, you called me? And... Remy, how early are we going to get into Chuck slash God as an unreliable narrator in this episode. Do we oh. want to start right now? We have to start right now. Yes. I don't fucking I've... care. There's no spoilers, not spoilers here. I mean. Yeah, I'm sorry. Woo! We're spoiling the next 40 minutes for you. Get the fuck on board. Pause if you got it. But <laughs> this is happening now. Because the very first thing off the bat, he's lying to Cass. He's saying, I'm here because you called for me. And also because of Jack. Like, you're not here because Cass called for help. Cass called for help saying help fix, like, he wants you to fix Jack's soul. But you're only here because it's a problem now. So I'm like, ah, already he's being smarmy and he's just, he's playing the cup game with what is the truth. Oh my god. I love that. Good, good analogy. Yes. (sighs) Yeah. Oh, so Chuck says, uh, Jack, he's a problem. Yeah, and that just does not look like what Cass wanted to hear no. God saying to him right now. No, yeah. But we go to uh, Sam and Dean in that conference room, still at Mayor Universes, and <laughs> Dean, like, what are they even doing? Like, oh my god. Well, Sam is running out. the search, oh. and Dean is browsing the web. He oh. says that the internet gets quiet when you can't lie, and he is just... I think he is troll reading through this, like, mommy blogger, this eight-pack mommy username, uh-huh. and Dean apparently follows her because he has strong opinions about the things that she posts <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He, what exactly does he say? He's like, oh, yeah, not so Guess hot your life now. isn't so perfect. Oh, type. yeah. 
Yeah, and then those gluten-free popovers are not, like, they basically are shit because there's no gluten in it. Like, he has a history. He has a beef with whoever this person is. (laughs) Your kids aren't even that cute anyways. (laughs) I am just spiraling into if Dean had been raised outside of the life, he would be one of those PTA parents with, like, strong opinions on all the other parents for the kids' like his kids classmates he would be so invested in like the desperate housewives drama that is going on in his neighborhood i am living <laughs> i love it like why who is he he's following this why eight is pack he mo- following eight pack mommy exactly is it for the is it for the cooking is it a recipe blog or is it is it for the schadenfreude like is it a, is it a parenting blog did he want to be the best dad that he could be what is oh happening god. oh my god and okay all of those questions right there okay now let's just wrap this up into a bubble and then imagine <laughs> sam saying that because that's what he does he looks to dean like excuse me and it's this is in contrast to when sam pointed out earlier that dean's a nerd he goes like excuse me and dean just shuts down on that and he's like i'll stop talking uh-huh he rolls that part of his identity back it's no longer up for opinions yeah yeah and sam is just like yeah yeah probably for the best <laughs> yeah <laughs> So there's fights, there's yelling, there's crying going on in the office, and Chuck and Cass appear. And Chuck is just commenting on the chaos at large, going, see, this is why people need to lie. It's good. It keeps the peace. And Cass uh, is, like, kind of an odd stance for God to be taking, and Chuck is just, oh, please, I'm a writer. really? Yeah. Really? Is because it's almost like one part demonstration and one part like you don't know me very well, do you? Because he's he's kind of like mm-hmm. looking out on the chaos and he's like, yeah, because this is so much better than like <laughs> being able to fib. And mm-hmm. um, it brings me to that Terry Pratchett quote of like, we need to be able to believe in the little lies so that we can believe in the bigger lies, things like truth, equality, justice. We need to have these small foundation stepping stones so that we as a society can have these larger, deeper faiths. Way to get fucking heavy on us, B. Yeah, no fucking problem. (laughs) Remy, okay, we're sitting in this episode and spoilers, not spoilers, a main character shoots God. I feel like I have the right (laughs) to get heavy. (laughs) Okay, okay, fine. (laughs) Fine. And, but yeah. Chuck, but Chuck says in response to this, um, "I'm a writer, and lying's kind of what we do." So and it just sounds so benign in the moment, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? It sure does. It it yeah. does. That's the thing about this episode. It's like, it's oh. like we start this episode, and it's oh my god, it's, Chuck, Chuck's here. It's, this episode starts one thing and it ends something completely like it is a fucking Mobius strip. Okay. Because (laughs) the first watch and the second watch, you can have these experiences simultaneously. I'm like, they're the same side. It's a Mobius strip of emotion. I'm fine. Uh, What they did here, what they did with this episode as a whole, what they did with Chuck as a character. 
Um, I love it. And if you can't tell already, we love this episode. <laughs> yes, yes. This was the best possible season ending. I I'm like could not oh, imagine I, I totally a better agree. flip. I, this I, is yeah. one of the best episodes of Supernatural. And yeah. I say this with the caveat of, like, I've seen half of them. But I'm like, <laughs> I can't imagine beating this because it gets so meta. And you have your characters who have embodied team free will and choice and all of these things facing down fucking God. Okay, I'm fine. <laughs> Carrying on. We have to carry on. We're 40 <laughs> minutes in. This is a fucking disaster. Okay. Mm, it's not a sprint it's a marathon okay so Cass calls for Sam and Dean and Dean hears this he opens the door and he lets them in it's like how did you get here Cass answers he brought me Uh uh-huh and Chuck is just hey guys hey guys yeah exactly I already I one of my favorite things about this episode is just how thoroughly done our leads are with Chuck. Yes. <laughs> I uh, Before we start recording, I had to ask you, I'm like, is, is Chuck slash God always like this? Because, I mean, I don't know when to get into this. I don't think just quite yet. I want to get into in the bunker. Uh-huh. But he comes across like a used car salesman. He, he does. He does. Um, I don't think that's new. I I I think that um I think that Rob did a really good job. Uh, oh and God, I'll talk yes. about it. I'll talk about it. But um yeah, no, I think that that's what makes this whole episode so fantastic is that you see Chuck as God and it's like, "Oh, it's Chuck. It's Chuck. It's just Chuck. That's just, you know, Chuck." Yeah. And then and then I I repeat myself because with every repetition oh, yeah, that's just Chuck. Like, you get a little bit more unsure every time, but you do kind of hold on to that faith. He is so performative. He Uh is putting, he's pulling out all the stops. He's doing the song and dance to make you think of Chuck, not God. You are not dealing with God. You're dealing with Chuck. Like, we had the very first thing. Cass goes, God? And Chuck goes, uh-uh, don't like that. He wants you to forget who he is. He just wants yeah. to be one of the guys hanging out with the cast of his favorite TV show. Like, yeah. Screams. Okay. <laughs> Dean looks really shocked to see Chuck here. Yeah. And Chuck just has this little smile as he gets in. We have a very quick snippet of Jack rushing out of his grandma's house. The door is left open and he is just feet to the sidewalk gone. Yeah. And that's all we see there. And then we are back to the office. Chuck is just being real relaxed and casual during this reunion with Sam and Dean. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> oh, is that the feel well, I'm already? D- I'm, I'm just like the office behind them like the wall is very thin it is an opaque glass we can see things are like being thrown up against the wall people are getting smashed up against the wall and then here chuck is just completely off topic from the crisis at hand yeah yeah he uh wait i don't even know what he says all i know is that dean and sam and 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 even cats are just looking at him like wow well just looking at him with such like what and yes. Dean says where have you been and 
Chuck breaks out a guitar in response. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, oh, oh, Dean's face, he grabs that guitar and then smashes it to the ground, breaks it to itty-bitty pieces, and then, uh, what, I'm sorry, I should write down more, more quotes. What does he say? Well, he's just like, they don't have time for this. He's yelling at Chuck over this. Yeah, yeah. He says, we don't have time for this. Like, answer the damn question. Yes, exactly. And Chuck puts his finger up and he says, don't. Yes. He raises his voice in retaliation. And again, going back to that God always wants you to think of him as a Chuck. In this moment, he's breaking that illusion. He has leveraged his authority and really shut Dean down. And, like, the room gets quiet. It's very, Daddy just hit Mommy at the dinner table. And so (laughs) Chuck breaks the touch. I'm sorry. Oh, my God, B. (laughs) That's what it feels like. It's just like, okay, cool. We have to keep on going after, like, God just raised his voice and wagged his finger at one of our own. And Chuck even can sense this. He has to break the tension by snapping them all back to the bunker war room. He has to do something to physically remove them from the tension he just introduced by saying one word with his voice raised. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a a reminder of just who they're talking to. But he says, Chuck says, um, oh, it's a little stuffy in here, isn't it? And he snaps them to the bunker. And he, like you said, breaking that tension, he says, so how you guys been? Yeah. Again, he's completely off topic. He seems so unconcerned about the crisis at hand. He's trying to be the jokesy, lovable sales guy feel that is going on. And the first blush, you believe it. This seems to just be the way that he is. I mean, of course he wouldn't have the same perspective as the humans and the angel in his presence because he works on a completely different pay grade than they do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, but but the thing is, is that Sam, Dean, and Katz are not meeting Chuck. Even now, mm-hmm. they're not meeting Chuck um, in this, like, lightheartedness. And, uh... Yeah, they can't. This no. is their world at stake. No, no. And uh, Chuck reads the room and he says, okay, yes, I know, you have questions. Um, yeah. Shoot. He finally lets them ask their questions. Yeah, yeah. And it's Sam that says, well, it's just what Dean said. Where have you been? And uh, and Chuck <sighs> Chuck says, oh, I've been all over the place. And he goes scale large and small. He says, to the corners of the universe to, hey, I saw Springsteen on Broadway. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. But then they ask, you know, what about the darkness? What about Amara? And he's been reconnecting with her, and she's currently playing Kino in Reno. What the fuck is Kino? I only know it vaguely because of Neopets. (laughs) It's... What? It's a gambling game. I don't remember it any more than that. I'm like, there was a fucking Tyrannosaurus on the loading <laughs> screen, and I was never good at it, and it cost Neo points, and I was like, not about it. I went to the Wheel of Misfortune, <laughs> and I rolled that fucker every day. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Were you into Neopets? No! 
Well, you're I'm, welcome for this illuminating. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. You don't such... even know who our audience. We could have a shitload of Neopet players on here, Remy, and you just offended all of them. I know. I didn't mean it, guys. I didn't. I didn't mean it. I love Neopets. You don't even know. No, I don't. Who is I... your main? Who is your favorite pet? I I was like yeah. briefly on Club Penguin for a little Aww. while. <laughs> I completely missed that boat. I was more of a Tamagotchi kid. I don't know. I like Tamagotchis too. This is the online version. Okay. Anyways, this is not our Neopets podcast. Apparently, <laughs> I'm going to be launching that solo. Oh. Right now. Okay, Amara, Kino. Um, and they've finally are like, well, why are you here? And Cass is the one who answers. Jack. He's here because of Jack. Yeah. And bingo. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> yeah. And, I mean, Chuck says, uh, you know how this goes. You know, I'm not here to hold your hand. It's your sandbox for you to play in. But uh, when things get bad, when things get really bad, apocalyptic bad, that's when I do step in. Yeah. I'm, I'm your duest machina. It's what yeah. he says. Yeah, literally. <laughs> the god in the machine. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and you know, I fucking believe him. <laughs> I'm still sitting here like, oh, it's okay. Okay. Yeah, you're right. It's Chuck. Like, Yeah. And the fact that he's saying that he only steps in when it's apocalyptically bad, such as now. Sam asks, essentially, Jack's apocalyptic? Like, that's the dire confirmation Sam just doesn't want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. We get this little bit of tongue-in-cheek commentary on past seasons, too. I'm like, we've been skirting the line of meta up to this point in this episode but here's when we're like definitely looking at it and going see see because jack is the threat that has brought chuck out of the woodworks but everything up to this point like chuck's going oh you want to fight leviathans cool you got that british men of letters a eh, little weak but okay like uh-huh. we're getting comments from dab as the writer through chuck as the writer in this episode okay mm, on the writing uh, of the show itself yeah. yeah no it's like it's like some real solid lamp shading right there yes and chuck tunes through the radio showing that it's just a global disaster that's happening here we can see I'm like, Chuck might understand all of these languages that are happening right now, but as far as Sam and Dean are concerned, uh-huh. it's just, okay, cool, you've turned the radio into different panicked voices, and you ended on this gross lizard person joke regarding the Queen of England, and then shut that fucker off. Yeah, but, you know, it's, it is a response to what Sam said, like, Jack is apocalyptic, and apocalyptic chuck is showing just how global and disastrous this is uh and he says two words from the kid and this is what happens what's next he's gonna sneeze and oops there goes india like i'm like i i need to take a minute here to just be like is jack apocalyptic no because he's really doing his sales guy routine he's selling it really fucking good yeah, I know. I know. 
He is, isn't he? Isn't he? It's really good, isn't it? Well, Cass sorry. is going to challenge him. We're not, we're not at Cass's challenge. We're really close, though. So they're like, well, can you fix it? And so Chuck just sighs and he snaps his fingers and he goes, there, it's fixed. Oh, my God. And again, we have that moment of uh, this snap. And he says, there, done. Um, it was almost like uh, an afterthought. Well, no, I, I was going to say, like, it was written, it was couched comically, because uh, Sam is like, what, that's it? And Chuck says, yeah, Sam, I'm God, that's it. But yeah, really, it, it almost read as funny, like, haha, uh, 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 anti- an anticlimax. Um, mm-hmm. But you flip but... to the other side of the Mobius strip, and yeah. you're like... He yeah. could have fixed it at any time, and he didn't care about it up to this point where they asked him. This moment right here was when I got unsettled with Oh, Chuck. I wasn't unsettled yet. There's a moment coming up, though. Uh-huh. Woof. Okay. So he's like, really? I fixed it. You know, try it out. And so Dean confirms it by saying the phrase, Celine Dion rocks. And he looks around and he's like, yep, okay, everything's fine. <laughs> and Chuck is just unworried about the chaos that came from this, as we said. And he even follows up by going, you're welcome. And it's just crickets in the room. I know. Well, he's been getting crickets, which, again, yeah. it's like me sitting in front of my TV with Chuck, you know, our lovable, goofy guy, uh, hero, it's like, okay, this is this is really funny. But when, like you said, no, they can't, Sam, Dean, and Cass can't laugh at this with Chuck. They can't meet Chuck on that lighthearted level mm-hmm. because this is their world. And this is, you know, this is really, this is fucking unsettling. Yeah, and think of even the first beat in this episode when they're confronting each other and Jack goes, you lied. And like, they are figuring out how to build soul bombs to go and kill their adoptive son. And then, oh, Chuck comes in and he's like, I'm going to sing you guys a song. Have you guys seen Springsteen on Broadway? And they're just like, the fuck are you thinking? Like, we aren't stopping for tea. We aren't in that gear shift at all. Yeah, exactly. (sighs) <sighs> and they're just exactly. stuck in, they're stuck there. They're going like, what will Jack do next? It's God level bad, apparently. And, and they he's still ask, goofing off. Oh my God. Oh <laughs> my God. Chuck says that he can't stop Jack, but they can using this gun that Chuck has just made right now and set on the war room table. Dean picks it up and he's uh, he's taking it apart. Uh, he's he's checking it out. And mm-hmm. Sam is the one who says, um, "So that thing can kill." Or I fuck. I, I say things like I know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> you pick up with whatever Chuck or Sam or Dean said. Please save me. <laughs> Yes. So this gun has appeared and Chuck is just doing jazz hands over it, apparently. He's like, I'm thinking of calling it the Equalizer. No? Okay, the Hammurabi. And I'm like, I'm going to take a moment to read to you a Wikipedia article. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like, what is this name? What is it talking about? And essentially, it was this Babylonian code of law. It's one of the most ancient 
tablets out there that describes the laws for a society. It goes back to the 1700s BC. And there's 282 laws that belong to this code of Hammurabi. But the best known one of it is eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Oh, so, chills. This You're is giving me the chills. concept that's coming into here. And it's also one of the earliest examples of the idea of presumption of innocence. I found that to be an interesting little footnote to bring into this episode. And that this code of Hammurabi also had biases, like that above eye for an eye. Um, it only applied to certain people. If you were a free person or you were a slave, you didn't get those same rules. So I'm like, even though he's bringing in this whole sense of justice and, you know, you get what you give, there's all of these little caveats and there's all of these little things about it. It's like, well, it's not as elegant and, I don't know, philistine as you are presenting it to us. Yes, yes. So even trying to call it this equalizer is bullshit, but I am going on a spiral here. We have a gun and it is essentially incorporating this eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth concept. Chuck is waiting for a reaction from them about it. He's getting nothing. And he says that this gun can kill anything, Jack included. So... Cass is looking for wiggle room with this gun. He's pointing out that it's never been fired. Maybe it doesn't work. Hey, let's not try this because we can't rely on it. But again, Chuck is pulling out his trump card. I'm God. I say it works. It works. Yeah, I thought that that line was really interesting because um, here was, I think, it was milder than what we see later, but this whole episode is an escalation, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or you might even want to look at it like a breakdown um, in Chuck. But uh, when Cass says, so you don't even know if it'll work, Chuck does snap at him to say, if I say it'll work, it'll work. Yeah. Again, he's trying to keep up this chuck folksy fun persona but he also wants his way he also wants like i said it works you guys don't need to question me on this it works yeah and yet when they question him on other things again he's oh mm, mm, getting ahead of myself dean has pulled out the clip he notes that there's no bullets in here and so here's where chuck explains that hammurabi concept he's saying that existence is a balance and this gun is a quantum link it it creates a quantum link between the person (laughs) firing the gun and the victim and so what happens to one happens to the other and what follows is if you kill him dean is the one to finish the thought to say you die Yeah. And Dean's looking miffed about it. Like, he puts the gun back down. And so Chuck takes a moment to admit it's imperfect, but one of them, not him, has to bite it if they want to kill Jack. And you know what? I mean, this is a thread that goes through the whole episode, but like you said, Dean is a little... You know, he he just gives a fucking, like, of course nod and then sets the gun down almost in, you know, disgust, like, of course. But he said it at the very start of the episode. I was just going to say, you stole my fucking moment. Do it, do it, do it. (laughs) No. He said it the first 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, well, that's that's it. That's it. This is the thread that goes through the whole episode. It's, um, well, you know, as Sam will say, why is it always us? But one thing that Dean said at the very top of this episode, he turns to Sam and he says, we're going to have to do the ugly thing we're going to have to put Jack down. We're going to have to do the hard thing. And his kind of parting line on that is not like it's the first time. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Like that really is, I feel like a keyhole into Dean's mind right now. He has almost just accepted that he is knee deep in shit right now and he's just got to swim through it. He doesn't see any silver linings. He is hurt and everything sucks. And of course we have to do this horrible thing in order to get through it. He's just worn down to bone, it feels like. Exactly. Exactly. That's it. It's just, of course. Yeah. But, oh, I'm like... Again, Chuck is being such a smooth salesman because he's got Dean already convinced, but Cass is rolling it back to basics. He's going, why do we even have to kill Jack? I mean, fix his soul, you dingus. Yeah, why are we talking about killing him? Fix fix him. Yeah. And Chuck does the cup game here. He says he can't fix souls. They're too complicated, even for him. And Sam's like, really? But... Chuck just moves subjects smoothly along, asking why they would even want Jack to live after what he did to Mary. Like, he's poking at that nerve. He's bringing that sharp, blinding pain back to Dean's forefront so that he and doesn't... And it works. Oh! And it works because because Dean picks the gun back up and says, yep. You heard him, Cass. This is the only way. Yep. Cass is still Holy grasping for shit. alternatives. But, like, the cage, whatever, Dean just stops him going, this is the only way. This whole episode, every single fucking move, every line, every beat in this episode is, it's a good episode. My, I'm sorry. My heart nuts. I'm I just like, my it's heart, so good. <laughs> my heart nuts. I love it. That's, that's the episode title. <laughs> no. No, it can't I say be. all of these terrible things and then you threaten me with that. Oh. <laughs> but it really is that Dean is looking for that path. He is feeling so lost, so blinded, and he wants the route out. We saw it in absence. We saw it last episode with Jack in the box. And here he has God, literally God, being like, this is the only way. And so... Cool. Dean already wants to pursue a goal. He doesn't want to be looking outside of his blinders. And God just told him killing Jack's the only way to solve this. And you can only kill Jack by, like, killing yourself, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Man. And, <sighs> and, um... Cass. Yeah, Cass. Uh, he... Wait, wait, does Cass say anything or is it just Dean saying, get on board or leave? 
Well, he, Dean is very, this is the only way. But yeah. Cass points out that they've heard such things before. Like, they heard from Billy that the oh, only yeah. way that they could handle Michael with Dean was with the Malik box. And hey, look, we proved that wrong. And oh my God, slap my knee. I'm, I substitute that. I'm like, slap my whole ass <laughs> about that concept because I go back to this lens of if Chuck is an unreliable narrator is Billy an unreliable narrator too. We, I have so many thoughts on Billy because I don't think, I don't know. I don't think that. Let's do it at the very end of the episode. Oh, I was just going to say, I don't think that Billy, I'm, I'm going to do it in the fucking season 15 speculation is what I'm going to be doing. Okay, but, that's fine. <laughs> but, but just, just my only thing to say on it here is that, um, I don't think that Billy is intentionally an unreliable narrator. I think that she was proven wrong. And I, I think that it I would surprised say- even her. I, I would agree, but I would use maybe a different... I would say she's not a malicious narrator. Mm. I don't see her as using... Like, I don't trust Chuck's intent with this world, but I do trust that Billy is looking out for best interests. Okay, okay, I we'll hope see. I'm not proven wrong in season 15, but... The reason why I have that kind of gut feeling is because of Chuck here. He takes a moment to deride Billy. Like, I like yeah. the old death better. This new death, she's always sticking her scythe where it doesn't belong. And I'm like, she's already tried to convince us that she's not a meddler. And then here God is being like, she meddles. She ruins my storylines. <laughs> so yeah, he, I'm, he... I'm going to send you a fucking picture of my notes because I drew a picture being like, what does this mean? Uh, well, I said that we should post these notes as our as our first, like, sample notes. Okay, well, we can do that. You guys can pay attention to all the times I spell cemetery wrong. <laughs> I was like, how the fuck do you spell Springsteen? But <laughs> I'm like, I know cemetery is all E's, but I keep on tossing that A in at the very end, just like a bonus. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Cass, Cass is our bastion of hope here. He's our bastion. Like, he is our embodiment of free fucking will. He is trying to point out like things aren't set in stone just because god's saying one thing doesn't mean we got to do it and dean just doesn't care he doesn't care that Cass doesn't like it get on board or walk away yeah oh man i'm sorry i just chuck's face yes i'm like that is the moment right there because Cass leaves dean looks disappointed but unsurprised and chuck has this tiniest little up tick of the corner of his mouth he has a little smirk formed that this has happened i was i mean chuck didn't even have to step in on this one because dean is already fully on board because Cass is trying to guide the script flip the script and we have seen again and again chuck trying to divert or trying to railroad them into what he Mm -hmm. wants Mm -hmm. uh we don't realize that's what he's doing yet. No, no, but not yet. Not yet. But flip the Mobius strip. But here is one moment where everything is going exactly how he wants it to. Yeah. And this was really the moment where I started taking a step back and being like, 
I don't trust Chuck. I mean, I love Billy. And so anyone who don't love Billy. I'm oh my like, God. <laughs> Shifty biscuits. I, I, you know, I think that they did a really good job with Chuck. So like, because on the second watch, it's like, you could see it from the very beginning, right? Once you're looking for it, you can see yes. that, that, that d- yes. deception, that low level deception from the very beginning. Arms but, ascended to the ceiling. Yes. <laughs> but on the first watch, you know, we all have that one moment when we finally, like when we clue in. And I think that for me, it, it, it was the, um, uh, Dean picking up the gun again. I didn't even notice that the first time. It was it, you. You were the one who just gave me that little mini epiphany in the middle of this episode, where you, where you like he puts it down, and mm-hmm. but then he when he and but then he picks it back up, and then he is firmly uh, <sighs> convinced and 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 set on his track. But for me, I think it really was um, that snap fix on the no lying policy that blanketed the world. It's just like he just snapped the fingers. And like you said before, that unconcern that he had shown and how he could just fix it. Yeah. And he waited until they pushed him to do it. Like that was very unsettling for me. And that was when I was like, oh, Chuck. Uh-oh. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but um I think I think that in this series of conversations it's when it, that seed is planted for sure. Yeah, the kind of questioning, the unreliability starts sinking in. Yeah. Yeah. It's really okay. fucking good. <laughs> Next scene is very short. I don't know if we have anything to really add to it other than just note that Jack is dejectedly walking down the sidewalk. And we get this very brief flashback showing when he used his powers on his grandma. But there's just no resolution as to what happened there. Not yet. Yeah, we still don't know how that ended. Yeah. And the upcoming scene here is Dean in his bedroom. He is pouring out, I'm assuming, whiskey. <laughs> Probably. Jim Bean. It's not Jim Your Bean. Your good old buddy. <laughs> it's not my friend Jimmy. He has some sort of decanter that he is pouring into his flask. And he is in his bedroom, literally with his back to a corner. And Sam comes in. <sighs> hey, Dean in this corner. It's like, oh, I want to take this shot and frame it on my fucking wall i love this scene it's i'm like there's no fucking way this desk was in there normally but they have it in here for this moment and it's perfect i love the directing in the scene i love the beats that the actors hit here it this scene is amazing and yes we can't do it justice but oh i could watch it again and again and again yes so dean Literally with his back in the corner, he's sitting there pouring out a flask. Sam enters and Dean wants to talk. Yeah. Sam cautiously sits at the foot of Dean's bed and we we get the sense he already knows what Dean wants to discuss. And that is confirmed as soon as Dean opens his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so weird. Well, it's not. I don't know. 
I was going to say, it's so weird how almost casual they both start out. Where I love it. I know. It's it's not weird. It's genuine to like the tiredness in their bones because we're on season 14 like go that meta level they have been here so many times and they are so sick of it exactly they can't go through this with those high stake emotions because how many times have they been through this dean is saying he's gonna pull the trigger and sam just looks i mean defeated he looks annoyed disappointed like that's it it's like <sighs> Sam comes in and 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 Dean says, "Take a seat." And uh, Sam, we see that Sam knows what's up, but he sits down and almost performing a bit. He's like, "Oh, okay, what's up?" Um, but Dean says, "You know what I'm gonna say," and immediately a flip switched uh sam says you know what yeah i do i do know what you're yeah. going to say but the act just drops yeah it does and it is an act on both parts and but then it's just that tiredness they cannot do it they cannot keep it yeah. up and sam says yeah but what am i supposed to do am i just supposed to accept it am i just supposed to like what do you want do you want permission do you want me to say it's mm-hmm. okay? I lost Jack, uh, and and it was my own fault. And and you want me to lose you too? Uh, I'm I'm like think of where Sam is in this moment. Okay, his mom died. Yeah, his adopted son is a wall lost and to him as he sees it. Yeah, Cass has stormed out. He can't be counted on as an ally in this moment. Yeah. And then he has his brother, you know, his last remaining close, like his last remaining family member who is now saying, I am going to go out killing like our kid. Yeah. And so here Sam is being like, okay, cool. I'm going to be left alone at the end of this. And you, Dean, are sitting there telling me that we don't have a choice? Like, what is the point of our entire lives if we don't believe that we do have a choice? Like, we are team free yeah. will. That is what we fucking do. We make our own choices in spite of what forces are trying to make us choose otherwise. Yeah, yeah. How and- can you not believe this anymore? Exactly. And and this is kind of an echo of what we heard from Sam in Profit and Loss when uh, Sam, you know, broke and confronted Dean on this, on his fucking bullshit, on his bullshit. We have a choice. We don't have to give up. I believe in us and we mm-hmm. can and we can beat this when when Dean wanted to put himself in the Malik box and throw himself into the ocean on the word of Billy. Yep. And here, again, on the word of God, we have Dean saying, we don't have a choice. And Sam is bucking that, that, uh, what, what he considers just, you know, a surrender. He's saying, we do have a choice. Isn't that the point of everything that we fight for? Uh, And he does bring Jack back into it, which I so appreciate. This scene here. 
with uh, Sam, we have been talking about the past two episodes how uh, Sam has been really um, almost passive in these, you know, developments on Jack. And he hasn't talked about really how he feels about things, not since absence and and how he felt guilty for um, having led them to this point with, with Jack's soullessness, which, I mean, we're going to revisit right here. But beyond that, we have just seen Sam kind of following in the wake of Dean and trying to, I think, curb Dean. In his yes. in his way, temper him, temper him. But we haven't heard from Sam, uh, Sam's own wants in this situation. So here, uh, Sam is saying, you know, he does feel that he has lost Jack, but he he does also feel that this is a really deep cut, um, yes. because he considers Jack as family, and and it it hurts and Sam says we haven't even tried to save Jack and oh Dean did not like that Uh, no no we're really getting to the crux of why Dean is so motivated to do something like he is he's saying Jack killed our mom yeah and Jack blamed her for her death like it's not true it's jack's poor phrasing but dean is just eaten up with this vision of a jack who killed his mom and then turned around and said well she made me do it like dean just cannot abide by that he cannot let that killer go it is such a raw wound for him that that's why he's putting these blinders on. He needs some way of solving this. I I 100% agree. That is that is the the crux of it all. It was that one line that it was an accident and mm-hmm. Mary just wouldn't stop. And yeah, she just kept talking. Right. And and as Dean says, like, you heard him. He blamed mom. And that is the point of no return in Dean's eyes. But yeah. Sam is is saying, yeah, you know, I know. And, and I'm yeah. just as mad as you are. But he's kind of pointing out those blinders, right? He's not yeah. saying, I want to save Jack. He's saying, we are not looking at any other option. Like, any yeah. of our options. Yeah, I like what you're saying, that we're finally in this moment seeing Sam's emotions regarding his mother's death. We haven't seen it. And he's saying that he's still super pissed. He partly hates Jack, but be- they haven't tried to save him. No. You know? He doesn't have a soul, and he doesn't because we brought him back. He's family. He saved us, and he sacrificed his soul in the process. And now Dean just wants Sam to sign off on his own death to kill Jack in the process. Like, it just isn't tracking. Sam just is like, how are we going to this place? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sam's saying, you want me to just say it's okay that I lose you and Jack in the same moment, in the same blow? Nah, like, bro. Like, 
I, I, I can't, I can't do that. I won't do that. It's too much. We've lost too much. Yeah, exactly. And there's really no direction for them to go in this conversation beyond what has been said. Yeah. So Sam leaves and we see Dean takes a drink and he looks torn up, but he's torn up because he's doing this and, you know, he can't get his brother's blessing, but he has to do the ugly thing. They have done this before. Oh, Yes, yes, torn. Mm. He, he, um, <laughs> I know that it was in the first time that we talked about this episode that you brought in that, um, you know, a single shot down, uh, and a mm-hmm. hard pill to swallow metaphor on uh, that shot that Dean takes yeah. because he is struggling with it but resolved. Yep. Is- he just, that's the only way forward he can see, and he needs to move forward. Oh. Oh. And so we follow this scene with one where Cass is driving up to a cemetery. He has parked, he has gone to the front of his vehicle, and there's a brief moment where he stands there, and just the frustration has built, and he hits his fist against the roof. Or, sorry, he hits his fist against the hood of the truck. I really liked this from Cass, because we never see that kind of loss of composure um, in Cass, or even that, like, lash out in Cass. Because, you know... Cass is very dangerous, um, and he uh, he can be, you know, a violent person. Uh, well, you know what? No, that's not true. That's exactly the opposite of what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, because Cass is dangerous, and Cass is a fighter, but Cass is not violent. And yes. He is the shield. He yes. doesn't want to be the sword. Yeah, yeah. And to see him lash out like this in a way that we've never seen him do before, I was like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, we're seeing just how close the emotions are bubbling to the surface within him. Because, and I didn't even think about it like this, but now you've got me all emotional when you said that, <laughs> look at Sam, and he sees his family just shattered mm-hmm. and and scattered mm-hmm. and it, Cass you know must feel the same way yeah he's lost Mary he can't count on Sam or Dean as allies right now he really like he called on God for help and God said no you gotta kill him like yeah. Cass literally feels like the only person in the universe who is still on Jack's side, who still sees Jack as redeemable, who is willing to put in the time and effort to rehabilitate him. Yeah. Talk about frustration. Talk about the loss of all hope in the world. He called to God. That was his Hail Mary. And it fucking worked. Yeah, and I don't want to spend 20 minutes on this. This is very, (laughs) this is a topic I very much could spend 20 minutes on. But let's just go to Cass in his lone wolf intentions, goes and calls God for help, 
realizes afterwards that that's not what he needed to do. He needed to go to his family and speak to them. He did this too late, but he's also invoked God and God has appeared with a gun that can kill his, like, he did everything wrong, essentially. Yeah, he can't. And he did it all with good intentions. He just needs a win, but he can't get one. Yeah. And the worst (sighs) thing is, is still at this point, it would be something that he is feeling it's on him. You know, he hasn't seen God reveal his character yet. And so everything is just going wrong and he's getting none of the answers that he hoped for. And it's just escalated to this degree that he never anticipated when he went out and found the way that Joshua was using to speak to God. Yeah, it really did backfire on him spectacularly and now he is against god himself and how must that feel yeah this is a rough mood buddy (laughs) rough mood not a good scene lads i don't i don't blame you for hitting the truck even though i do wish that we had you know had a bit of a fucking superman collapse i did i wanted a hulk smash so bad i want I mean, it's too new of a vehicle. If they had him drive out in a POS, maybe they would have done it. But <laughs> Oh, my God. I wanted him to just total that oh, fucking car. Yes. That was one of my little pet peeves. I'm like, there should be uh-huh. at least a dent left after him. But I'm like, maybe it's just him tempering his emotions. Okay, I'm fine. <laughs> and, but. Yes. Maybe there is something of a silver lining to this storm cloud over Cass's head right now yeah, because not he, all hope is lost. Yes, he hears the flap of wings, and it, it, before even turning around, you see that you know light come back to Cass's yes. face, and he is so so relieved. And yes. And I was like, there's no fear in him right now. He goes, Jack, and he turns around and there's, like, if there's any hesitation, it is just to see if Jack would be okay with it. But Jack says, I've been looking for you. And Cass just approaches and gives him this huge hug. I know. And it's just like, like you said, there's no fear in him because he does have faith in Jack. And, and I just, you know, one brief moment to contrast this with how, uh, Sam and Dean, uh, were summoned him. Yeah. From when Sam and Dean summoned him with their prayer and how, you know, they were putting on something of a show, but they couldn't even then hide how uh, afraid they were. Yeah, they were scared shitless. Yeah. Ugh. And how cast they... my entire heart. <laughs> exactly. Unlike with Sam and Dean, we do not have Cass walking on tiptoes. No. This is his boy. I know. And he needs a hug and he gets one. Yes. We follow this up with Chuck and he is playing with the Archangel Blade. And I'm like, this is the perfect MacGuffin for this fucker to be playing with right now. Because he doesn't even know, like, oh, I haven't seen one of these in ages. Where'd you get it? (laughs) Yeah, they haven't shown up in the lore before last season, did they? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, and another thing is 
like, oh yeah, I haven't seen one of these in ages. Where'd you get it? And Sam says, in another world. And I'm yeah. like, excuse me? Oops. Yeah. What? Yeah. I'm like, so not only does Chuck not pay attention to his own lore, but like, the fucking writers. I'm like, uh-huh. I want to give them credit here. I'm like, can this be another meta moment of just not paying attention to your own history? No, uh, I don't know if I can be that generous. No, this is uh, Gabriel's Archangel Blade, right? Yeah, fucking Asmodeus had it in it, like a felt-lined box. Exactly. And I mean, I guess that technically Michael Dean would have had an Archangel Blade, so maybe, like, it was on Rowena's person when Michael died, but... Yeah. Or maybe that's the one that Michael, like, summoned when he was fighting Lucifer, but I'm like, why would Sam have had to throw it to Michael if that was the case? I'm like, hmm, there's some shifty biscuits around here. No, no. I have no idea why Sam said uh, it's from another world other than, hey, look, segue. Yeah, hey, and it's not even ham-fisted here. We're going into the question of how many alternate verses are there? Like, how many exist? Yeah. And Chuck has no clue. No, he he says, too many to count. Um, some of them, most of them are boring, he says, uh, and he runs through a few of those quote-unquote yeah. boring universes. Uh, and honestly, that, like, most of them are boring, I think that's, like, an alarm bells thing for Sam to hear. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, there was an alarm bells moment in, in just a few lines, but... Uh, Chuck runs through uh, a few of those boring worlds, you know, one's all squirrels, one doesn't have the color yellow, this, that, and the other. Uh, and and Sam says, well, Michael said that you abandon those worlds, uh, throw them away like unfinished drafts. And then uh, Sam pauses and Sam says, well, no, what does Chuck do? What is Chuck even doing? I don't even know what's happening in the scene. I'm like, this is a beautiful scene where Sam doesn't even realize that he is moving Chuck into like a check position in a game of chess. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because the whole setup that he's doing here, like how many other worlds? I don't know. Michael says you toss them away. Like, was he lying about that? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. And that's when Chuck is like, oh, come on, would you believe him? But Sam doesn't listen to that. Again, we're playing the cup game with the truth. Chuck is trying to keep your attention diverted away. But Sam stays coarse and he asks, is that what you're doing to us? Like, are you prepping to throw us away? Yeah, and, and Chuck- you know what I really liked about this scene um, is that this whole scene, I think that with every answer that Chuck is throwing Sam's way, uh, Sam is getting more and more pensive. Like you said, mm-hmm. um, those alarm bells are, are start like that uneasiness is building. Um, yes. But Chuck is just not even paying attention. 
Yes, we have such a juxtaposition between their two characters right now. Like, this is a very serious conversation for Sam, whereas for Chuck, this is a toss-away. He's playing with the Archangel Blade. He is looking at the books. He's just paying attention to the bunker around him. And when that question comes up, is that what you're doing to us? That is when Chuck stops fiddling. And he takes the extra step to try and assure Sam that he and Dean are his favorites. And I'm like, oh, man, you don't even realize the hole you're digging, you, do you, bud? Uh, you're my favorite. That was the check moment. I would put it on the next line. Like, you're so interesting. Like, this world is so lively and unpredictable. And it's just... Ooh, it's bad light that Chuck is casting himself in here. Yeah, and he, I don't think that Chuck really realizes it, but Sam, Sam's face here, when Chuck says that, you're my favorite, you're so interesting, mm-hmm. um, is Sam double takes, you know, yeah, it's subtle, he, but he does. This is that Chuck facade slipping just a little bit. And reminding Sam that he is looking at God. Yeah. This isn't your buddy. Like, it doesn't matter how folksy he's coming across as he's fiddling around the bunker. Like, this is the entity to end all entities. And I think here is the perfect time to bring in uh, your question, which was, is this how Chuck is as a character? Because you... yeah. You haven't watched season 11. No, this is my first experience of Chuck as God, God as Chuck. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, so I really, really love season 11. I would call it my favorite season of the whole series. Mm -hmm. And um, the direction they went with Chuck is a big part of that. I I could go on and on, but for Chuck, he is that folksy, you know? (laughs) He is just your buddy. Yeah, because I've seen him in season four, season five, and just how he comes across. Oh, he's kind of this kooky but lovable guy. And, And But there is, you know, in season 11, it almost comes out to me as I can read it is like and and I think that Chuck admits as much that Chuck the prophet was just a fucking self insert in his fit. Yeah. He, he just had to get close to the action. Yeah, yeah. He he just, you know, he wanted a front row seat. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. It's that even in season eleven when he was that um he was that protagonist. Um, uh, he, he there were still those little lines that uh, really highlighted that um, you know God's not your buddy. Mm-hmm. This is just an act. But but that's the thing. That's where we flip. It's that in season eleven, it, Chuck always had that. Hey, I'm here to help. But don't forget who you're talking to kind of Mm -hmm. energy. But here it's, hey, I'm here to help, uh, but my intentions 
are not actually as pure as they seem. So yeah. there was always, I guess what I'm saying is there was always that bit of that, that bit of steel that ran through his character mm-hmm. beyond that, you know, goofy guy. But uh, here in, in this episode, in this season, it is a new light on that, but it still slots in so well, so perfectly. Yeah. Like, my first watch of it, he seemed like a really amiable character. And then when you get these little smirks, these looks on his face where you're like, Chuck's fucking face, that you start questioning it. And then on my second watch here, I, or my third, or I I don't remember how many times I've watched this episode. I'm just like, (laughs) but he comes across like that smarmy, glib, used car salesman. And he's trying to sell you a lemon and he's trying to convince you that it's a fucking Ferrari. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So this conversation, we kind of put a pause on and we return to Jack and Cass. They're walking through the cemetery and Jack is explaining his rationale for removing lying. Like he's, this is finally his moment to connect to one of his fathers and get his side told. Yeah. And so... The rationale for removing lying was to make the world a better place. Like, he is still trying to move with these good intents. He's just a baby who only knows shades of black and white. No gray. Ugh. And that's really true because us as the viewer, we've been, you know... We've been sitting with Jack on how he feels on everything from absence forward to now. We have that perspective that, say, most glaringly, Dean does not. Yeah. So we might know Jack's intentions, but we have not had that Cass, Dean, or Sam connection since absence. It's been been a while. Well, Jack in the Box, that connection that happens between Sam and Dean and Jack, it is not a real one because they're so tense. Everyone is so tense because Jack is so worried about putting his best foot forward and Sam and Dean are so worried about roping Jack into getting into the Malik Box that they're not able to speak on an honest connecting level. And it's only now when Jack feels like he's lost everything and I, I feel like there's nothing inside of me that, you know, all of the chips are on the table the cards are laid out he might as well just tell everything Cass is here he wants to listen and he tried to do this with his grandparents but the clients just no longer like him and yeah he's just I'm like okay Jack you might feel like you feel nothing but I'm like what you're feeling right now is depression like yeah I, I, you did this thing that you didn't mean to, and there's so many grave consequences. And he's just going to this dark place where he's like, yeah, I killed my mom just by being born. Like, he's gone to this. I'm like, oh, baby, this is depression. This isn't soullessness. <laughs> well, um, you said earlier in this episode that Jack did a lot of growing up here in this episode we see him you know becoming disillusioned with not all the lies but with the world and Mm -hmm. 
But how about the fact that we have had Jack uh, just deny, 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 and fake it till you make it on this soullessness thing. And here he is, you know, admitting it almost. It's like, it's like now confronted with the truth. And he just is feeling defeated in that hope. Exactly. There, there is no hope anymore. He feels that all is lost, and and he he has no one to turn to anymore. He tried with the Kleins, but but he was beat down for it, really. And and now with Cass, he he is just letting it all go. All of that. Yeah. I mean, we we have spent all the season watching him hide that fucking cough, and. And just just trying so hard to not worry anyone. And like his talk with Donatello, he was trying to figure out how to just have his own space to handle his own things. Yeah. And he's finally reached this point where he's gone to everyone that he can think of. And like, this is where we finally get that flashback bit with what happened with his grandma, where she was upset. He reveals his powers and she's freaked out, but he left without a fuss like he says to Cass I ran and I mean it's like you're saying Jack finally like he has admitted defeat basically yeah but I was watching this and my brother was only half paying attention (laughs) to the episode but he chimes in he's like a soulless person wouldn't be going to their grandparents for comfort like if you feel nothing why would you make that step a soulless person wouldn't be admitting that this has all happened and it's just going wrong. Like, they wouldn't take it that way. They would just go, oh, well, other people are wrong and I did the right thing. Like, I think he's just so scared of it. He's so scared of it and he's been fighting so hard against it. But here mm-hmm. now, he's defeated enough that he's depressed enough that he is just accepting it as truth even though it's not he's like oh so i am a monster well and you know the fact that sam and dean tried to put him in the moloch box he goes okay like what would the winchesters do okay they would lock me up and now just because of that what would the winchesters do and and knowing that in the winchester's eyes he is irredeemable he sees himself as irredeemable and he has no hope anymore yeah. Oh, he says all I ever wanted was to be good and do good and and I can't. Oh, yeah. my god. Oh my god. Yeah. That's in the next bit with them, but like talking about how he just feels like he's done for. But the fact that he tells Cass like I ran from my grandma's place. I didn't do anything. I just left. You can see Cass puts a hand on Jack's shoulder and there's just this small smile on his face. And unlike Chuck, this is a reassuring one because you can see Cass believes there's still hope for him yet. He hasn't given up. Right, right, right. When when Cass asks the question, Jack, what did you do? He is fearful of, you know, what Jack did. Yeah. He he's not afraid of Jack, but I don't think but he can't trust Jack. Uh there's a difference but but here where jack confirms that you know he does have some restraint he does have some control he he is not just this blank slate he still has 
a good heart and good instincts, even if they go askew because he just can't grasp the big picture. He's two years old, you fuckers. (laughs) Yes, yes. And Cass is very relieved and proud. And it is a hope that, you know, all is not lost. Definitely. And we see all of that in one little uptick of a smile and a slap on the shoulder. So fuck you, Misha. Yeah. We go back to the bunker. Yes. Sam is asking if Chuck watches them while he is out and about. And again, here, ooh. Yeah. He's winning at chess and he doesn't even realize it. (laughs) Chuck does, it's almost a lecherous, it's a gross smile. But he goes, yeah, you're my favorite show. Yeah. He says, I mean... You're my favorite show. Almost and all. What are you going to, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, this you is should be flattered. a badge. Yes. Exactly. Yes. yes. This is a badge of honor. Oh, my God. Yeah. Sam isn't really swayed by that, though. He asks why God doesn't intervene, but Chuck cuts him off going, uh-uh, like, that's old territory. We've covered this already. But Sam pushes. Why does he only step in when the world is ending? Like, why is everything else put on Sam and Dean's shoulders. And Chuck just goes, because you're my guys. Yeah. Sam says, why does it have to be us? And it's, and we do see Sam almost puzzling it out in this moment. Like, why does it have to be us? Why is it always us? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and it is a little bit of like, this is unfair. Like, it goes back to his conversation with Dean in Dean's room of like, we're always backed into these corners and we have to struggle. We have to find our way out from it. Like, why does this have to happen if God can intervene, you know? Yeah. So that, that uh, I would not look at it as uh, the, this is unfair sentiment because, um, you know, oh, this is unfair. Like uh, it's almost like bad fortune, you know, but we're we're shifting from the the world is unfair. It's like bad fortune. Why is it always us? To this is orchestrated. Yeah, he's putting these pieces together. <gasps> yeah, he's cluing in on. Um, wait, it's not just however the chips fall. Yeah, if you can step in after it's dire, why can't you step in before? Yeah. So Sam is slowly but surely this this little nugget of an idea that we planted 20 minutes mm-hmm. ago is now is now bearing fruit blooming. Yes. Yeah. In Sam's and mind. Chuck's little because you're my guys. He does the cup game. He immediately sidesteps back to putting the focus on Jack. And Sam realizes that Chuck is afraid of Jack and Chuck counters. Well, aren't you? And here we have a lot of cogs clicking quickly into place. Yeah. Chuck knows where Jack is. He's not waiting for anything. And Sam realizes this. And not only that, but Chuck goes, oh, yeah, like, there's nothing holding us back right now. Dean's already gone. And I'm like, Chuck, this bastard, has been distracting Sam. Yeah. He has been keeping him, like, they're playing chess again. And, oh, 
Chuck thinks that he has them checkmated, put into only one move left, but he doesn't realize that this conversation with Sam is the thing that is going to fuck him in the end. Love it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, you know, the thing that I love is that Chuck revealed to Sam that, oh, no, Dean's already gone. Uh, he delayed him, but only yeah. just long enough yeah, to still oof. get that dramatic tension moment at the end. Yep. And you can see there's that little smirk again when Chuck yeah. says that Dean's already gone, like, all falling into place. <laughs> I love this scene. I love this the ending yes. of the scene. I love that line from Chuck yes. uh, because because again here again Chuck is fiddling. He's yeah. stopped paying attention. This is no longer interesting to him. He he's biding time, but he's in the line for concession before the movie begins. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yes. And then we we're back at the we're back at the cemetery. Yes. So this is where Cass and Jack are really clearing the air. This is when Mary gets brought out and Jack admits that it was a mistake. Everything he's been doing is trying to go towards being good. I mean, except for the Duma thing. But Cass even (laughs) assures Jack, no, she led you astray. That isn't on you, you know? Yeah. And Jack says that he's tried to do this on his own, but it just never goes well. And all I ever wanted to be good, but now I'm just empty. And again, I'm like, baby, what you're experiencing right now is your first depressive episode. You've just been told that you're empty. Yeah. And talking about their location, they're in a cemetery, and the shots are deliberately putting this statue of Mary behind them and between (laughs) them, and I'm just like, absence! I'm like shouting the episode title to the heavens. That that Virgin Mary uh, uh, statue in the cemetery, Mm -hmm. yeah, it is a presence in these final scenes. Mm -hmm. The shots pointedly include this in here. Yeah. And I mean, we're going to see why when it comes up to Dean's conversation near the end here. But at the moment, Jack is saying that he knows Cass loves him and he wants to love Cass back, but he just can't. And Cass, again, so much faith. He's saying not yet. And they just need to go somewhere safe, take some time to fix it. I'm like, yeah, baby, we're going to get you a prescription for citalopram we're going to get you some therapy we're going to like oh just uh, sometimes you just need time to work through this deep yeah. and traumatic thing that has happened and that's what Cass is saying Cass is saying we just need time and but there's but there's no there's no time because no. Because the music turns ominous. <laughs> because the music turns ominous. And uh, Jack looks up and Cass's gaze follows. And we are looking at Dean. And he is yes. holding the Hammurabi. And he is, he's here. Yes. Dean slowly approaches them and Cass rises to stand between them. Yeah. Dean tells him to step aside twice. But Cass tells Jack, get out of here, you know, run. Yeah. He is here, again, he is a shield. He's not a sword. He is trying to stop the violence that is coming. Yeah. And again, briefly, when Dean says, Cass, get out of the way, Cass, move, 
Um, there's not any anger behind it, really. No. It's just a matter of fact. Like, I'm here to do what I have to do. There's there's nothing but resignation in Dean. Yeah. There's no point in you becoming collateral damage to this cast. You might as well just go. This is yeah. happening. Just move. And yes. and I and that it's just really striking because this isn't some, you know, fury driven vengeance. It's just it's just I don't know. Like I said, resignation. Dean, like his mom is his hero and his mom is dead. And the person who did it blames her. And he just, this is the only way he can see of stopping further chaos and damage that Jack could do. And also getting, getting retribution or something for how Mary went out. It's almost hard to know where Dean is really in his you know, headspace right now because again, yeah, he's been so m- motivated to just move, 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 and yeah. not process. Yeah, it is just a one track mind, and and he can't, and there is no you know, stopping to think about it, as you said, as we have said multiple times, yeah. Yeah. but um. But it, it, Cass is is not going to willingly step aside. So Jack removes Cass from the situation entirely. He sweeps him to the side with his powers, and he says, uh, "No, I can't run anymore. Yeah, I'm not going. I won't. Yeah, yeah." And Cass is thrown aside at a considerable distance, like sufficient that he wouldn't be able to say run up and stop them. Yeah. I feel like that's really Jack's intent here. He's not looking to hurt Cass. It's just remove him from the danger zone. Uh Uh-huh. And Jack looking to Dean says, you're not going to lock me up again, are you? And Oh, that line. That line. Oh my god, stab me in the fucking chest. It would hurt less. Like, just, I mean. You're not gonna lock me up, are you? It was. Mm, I'm sorry. Okay. What happens next? What next? The Dean, I, I, I'm like, Dean is back to telling the truth to Jack. Like, like it's just one little lie. I'm like, not little, but, and it undid so much of their relationship, but it's still there. Dean says, like, he levels the gun and in front of the statue, Mary Jack kneels for his fate. Yeah. Yeah. He is essentially bowing to what he perceives as what needs to happen. And when he does this, Dean falters. Like, this isn't a cold-hearted villain that he's up against anymore. This is Jack not putting up a fight, not arguing his case, not doing anything, just kowtowing to it. Now, that's maybe one part, but I think the deciding factor was what Jack says. Yes. Uh, Well, I'm like, because Dean falters here, but he does approach again he re-aims his conviction returns and we have a dramatic moment where sam has driven up to the cemetery and he's running and he's shouting for dean to stop but jack is speaking to dean and saying i understand i know what i've done and you were right all along i am a monster 
But it was that I understand. I know what I've done. Yes. That is, you know, Jack taking on that. Accountability. Yeah, accountability. And that is what Dean didn't see from him. Yes. And what he needed to see. And what he needed to see from him. Yeah, this isn't Mary's fault. Don't pin the blame on her. She died because of you. And here Jack is saying, I know. I yes. get it. Yes! Oh my God. Oh my, okay. <sighs> Sam's so, close enough here. Sam. Dean tells him to stay back. Yeah. And when Sam's standing there, Chuck just appears right beside him. And Sam realized, like, we could have just fucking snapped here. Like, there could have been actions taken to prevent this. Why not? And it just clicks for him. He realizes that Chuck is enjoying the drama that's unfolding here. (laughs) I sent you, just today, I sent you a screenshot of that moment. (laughs) Yes. I'll have to post it to the Patreon. Uh, (laughs) Oh, Yeah. But Dean readies the chamber in the Hammurabi. Jack looks solemn, but Dean lowers the gun. He uncocks it. He tosses it aside. And Cass comes up. He approaches sort of the scene where this is all unfolding again. And Chuck demands that Dean pick up the gun. This isn't how the story ends. Oh, my God. So Chuck, standing here next to Sam, and Sam says... you're enjoying this. And Chuck, like you said, has his fucking bucket of popcorn out. Chuck fucking, Chuck's fucking face. Chuck's fucking face. He shushes. The movie's starting. Yes, the movie started. He shushes Sam and he is just looking, he's riveted to the fucking screen here. And Mm -hmm. uh, Dean tosses away the gun and Chuck is just, what? He's the director that just called cut. Well, it's the fucking movie projector has stopped displaying on the screen and you're turning around and you're yelling at one of the attendees like, hey, how come it's not going? Yeah, yeah. He says, this is not how the story goes. He says, pick it up. No, pick Mm -hmm. it up. And and you know what? I I loved Dean's um, little moment here where he almost like blinks back to himself yeah, he says the hell, Chuck, and Cass also goes the story. Like that one sentence that yeah. action Chuck is taking is cluing both of them in. Right. Okay, something's wrong. Yeah, they're both getting right where they're both getting up to Sam's level. On mm-hmm. oh, wait, wait, something bigger is happening here. Right. Again, this is not some like horrible emotional uh, thing that is happening in my life. This is something that Chuck is viewing as entertainment. And, and it's just like, this oh. is something that I've been moved towards. Chuck takes a moment here to say, like, come on, think about it. The gathering storm, the gun, the father killing the son, Abraham and Isaac. This is epic. And I'm like, season 14, episode 20, Moira. Like, that is the place where Abraham is told to kill his son because God said to do it. And then God goes, psych. Like I was literally just about to say, I could do an entire The Subtext Show episode on... Uh, how we can tie this into the 
biblical scale of things and how throughout history, Chuck, God has had his favorites Mm -hmm. that he wrote these stories for. That he boxed them into these corners and then pulled the fucking tablecloth out from underneath them and said, hey, look, the table's still set, you know? Guys, send me a QA and a because I could talk for an hour on this. (laughs) Yeah, this whole thing here. And I'm like, it's getting so meta and I'm just thriving. I'm like, this is my lifeblood coursing through me right now. Sam points it out. He says, Chuck's been playing us this whole time. Yeah. And Chuck scoffs. He's like, come on. Like, are you really believing this? He's trying to go back to that folksy persona. But Sam continues, our entire lives, like our mom, our dad, you wrote all of this. This is all you. And why? Just because we're your favorites? Like, this is a story to you? And Chuck is trying to rope Dean back onto the page. He's going, no offense, but your bro is being stupid and crazy. I loved that line. I, I cracked the fuck up. Oh. But but yeah, I mean, that's that's it. That's Chuck. That, yeah. And, 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 and Sam is just exposing it all. And, and, and we see, you know, like I said, Dean blinking back to himself. He... He realizes what's been happening, and and he is going to stand with Sam on this. Yeah, his this inertia that has built and carried him down this railroad track he's so keen on, he's now slowing down. He's changing courses, and he is moving to Sam's side, like you say. And I think it's really this next thing that Chuck does that is what slams the brakes on for Dean and gets him to change courses because Chuck is saying Jack is still dangerous. Dean, do the deed and I'll bring your mom back. Yes. Pick it up. Pull the trigger and I'll bring her back. This I thought of (laughs) season 13 episode 1 and I thought of Dean behind that food shack and he with such emotion and such just drawing up from the reserves the little that he has left. He's depleting himself and he's pleading to Chuck, like, bring them back, please. Like, he tries threatening and then he just goes to that, please. And that moment that was so much hurt and so important to him, so necessary for him to keep going, and that went unanswered. And then here Chuck is standing in front of him and is basically like, if you be a good boy, I'll give you a treat. Treating Mary with that level of regard. Dean, do what I'm telling you and I'll bring your mom back. That whole thing, I'm like, that is just the illusion shattering for Dean. He takes that step back and um, he refuses. Um, B? Hi. What the fuck? That's what I was feeling. What the um, fuck? B, what the fuck? That you was just, what you were just ready to move the fuck on, weren't weren't you? You were just gonna- sure fucking wasn't. I was like, maybe if I go, I won't. Like you can hear my voice right now. I'm like I'm fucking <laughs> shattering inside. Uh, B, I'm bleeding. Um, well, thanks for that. Yeah, um, you can you can keep going. It's fine. I'm fine. Or, I'm fine yeah. too. <laughs> uh, I 
I'm not okay. fine. <laughs> okay. 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 So you you just fucking slayed me with uh, bringing up that episode one of season 13. Like, cool. Um, this was my first introduction and I saw that moment. And I'm like, oh, cool. So I love him forever now. <laughs> season 13, episode one was your first ever episode. Yep. And this thing that happened, I'm like, it's so formative and like. Yeah. That 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 that's that's what this is. That's what this and is. And this me. is Chuck answering Dean's prayer, and he's so flippantly doing it, and it sours. In it's of no consequence to Chuck. He can just leverage this in an instant to try and motivate Dean. Dean shakes his head. He steps back to Sam's side. Yes. And he says, uh, no, my mom was my hero and I miss her and I will miss her every moment of every day, but she would not want this. Yes. So. <laughs> yes. Where's the, where's the Mary statue in the shot? It's right fucking there. Like, that's the whole thing. The shadow of Mary upon this moment that her sons would come to this place, that they would be driven to this place, cornered here, thinking that the only move forward is to kill one of their own. And for them to actually finally take the moment and stop and breathe and say, no. Who the fuck directed this episode? Phil? Phil? Phil! Can I I have a fucking word? Because... (gasps) Because you... Because we're not fine here. Because you did a good job, Phil. But but also, fuck you! (sighs) So, I... Talking about fucking directing and and framing, um, we now have Sam and Dean stood together and the angle of the shot is just hitting me straight in the fucking gut because it is just this united front against god where they there is this back and forth on um uh, uh, oh my god Uh, i'm sorry i was gonna refer to my notes but i have three lines of this fucking scene and then in all caps (laughs) This fucking scene. <laughs> Remy, what does it mean? So yeah, yeah. B, please tell me what does it mean? What? <laughs> give me, give me oh. this fucking warrior's cry. This, well, like it's a this it's line a declaration. It's a line in the sand being drawn. It, it's what kind of god are you? Like you just try yeah. to leverage our mom, and I'm telling you how important she is to me and how she wouldn't be okay with this. And Chuck just does not care. And Dean is pushing. He's saying everything that happened, you knew. So why not snap your fingers and end it? And I'm like, Ooh, that line right there. But all the killing and the dying, everything that's happened has been because of Chuck. And he's just been wanting to watch this, the endless fight and loss, like Sam is saying this, like, when yeah, does exactly. it end? They're challenging God, like, what kind of God are you? They are. They are issuing, they are throwing down the gauntlet. They are issuing a challenge. And, you know, Chuck is, at first, he's just like, 
it's still keeping up that smile, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, like, oh, come on, guys. Come on. Yeah. He tries appealing Until... to Dean, but Dean just shuts it down. He says, no, we're done. This isn't a story. It's our lives. God yeah. or no God, you go to hell. We see Chuck's face, like, we see that mask slip so, like, incrementally. Oh. Because Rob is such a warm person, and he brings such a warmth to Chuck. But we're seeing in this moment, like, this is the culmination of that disconnect between their scales, you know? Chuck has been so yeah. unconcerned about things that are going, hey, guys, like, Springsteen. Again, I am keep going back to that. And they <laughs> have been sitting there being like, the apocalyptic level shit is going on, and we have to kill our son, and blah, blah, blah. And we're just seeing the culmination right here. They are saying, this is our lives. This isn't a story. It's our lives. Like, fuck you. Yeah, but but how does Chuck respond mm. to that? Because he, oh. because because he can have these ants in front of him to say, mm-hmm. fuck you. And it it's Dean's little what the hell earlier and Chuck's pointing his finger and saying, don't. We see yeah. Chuck scoffs a bit, but he goes cold and he says, exactly. have it your way. And so with a finger snap, Jack flares his eyes, his mouth, and he collapses to the ground. Screaming. Mm. <laughs> so Cass goes to him. He kneels. Dean yells, stop it. And Chuck just tosses Dean through a headstone marker and he just goes to saunter off. Yeah, yeah. And Cass is at Jack's side. And I don't know if I should read it as shock or just disbelief in the situation. But uh, Cass doesn't know what's happening, pretty well, much. He doesn't know what to think, what to do. Did you he- did you hear the high pitch ring and see his hand on Jack's yes. forehead? Yes, he is. He's trying to heal Jack through this. Yes, yes, he is. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Remy. Yeah, yeah. Is this what is this what the Nephilim do when they die? B. I will slap a bitch. You can't. I wish. (laughs) Next time that we, I'm like, we should record this before VanCon if you want to slap a bitch because. I see, like, on first watch, I was like, man, Cass is just a- acting with a lack of urgency. And I didn't know if I should read it as um, him just not, because you know, Cass is Cass and he does have that unwavering faith in God and in whatever he chooses to believe in here in Jack as well. But, um, you know, this is the father you know this is god so so does Cass just think this isn't happening but no no that's not what it is that's what i might have thought on the first watch but here it's like it's just plain shock at yes at at what is happening and Cass is trying to heal jack I, I do believe. Yeah, he, we he, hear the noise of angel powers being used and his hand is placed there. Yeah. So, I I mean, we just don't know. Uh, 
but but we see Jack burning out. He's still alive. He's still just just This is not a quick death. No, no, no. Um but uh, Chuck is just going to walk away and we see that Dean is fixed on Jack. His attention is fixed on Jack, not Chuck, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah. It it is Sam that picks up the Hammurabi. Yeah. And says, hey, Chuck, and fires a single shot. Yeah. He calls for Chuck, and when Chuck turns, he fires off around. Like, he wants to make eye contact with God before he sends that fuck you bullet as well. <laughs> now, talking about a fuck you bullet, I know that you liked to read that uh, shot as a, a literal fuck you. Sam here was not shooting to kill. No. He was shooting- This was a shot across the bow. Yes. Yes, exactly. This was an intentional hit to the shoulder to be like, we can make you bleed, basically. Oh, man. If if it bleeds, you can kill it. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. I I really do feel like it's- You are not getting out of this unscathed. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we, we have that shot and then we cut to commercial and, and I was sitting there and I'm like, what? (laughs) But you, but, but you were sitting firmly in the, um, this is just like you said, (laughs) make, make God bleed. Um, which I like, I, I love that interpretation. Well, I'm like, Sam's a good enough shot that if he wanted to kill Chuck, he could. But yeah, I feel like that would be a really rash move for him to do because it was mentioned earlier in the episode. Chuck goes, I can't fire this thing because if I'm not here, you know, so. Yeah. And also, can they trust Chuck at all? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Cass said, uh, so we don't even know if it would work. And Chuck says, if it, if I say it'll work, it'll work. But why would Chuck himself make the weapon, the one weapon that could kill him? You know, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Season yeah. 15, everybody. They do like to pull the rug out from under us. But for the moment, Chuck gets that shoulder hit and Sam goes down and he's equally injured because yeah. of the nature of the gun. Yeah. And Chuck goes mean. He goes, fine. That's the way you want it. Story's over. Welcome to the end. And immediately darkness falls. It is nighttime. And we hear the sounds of like a cold wind. The music, everything has dropped. And they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. 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 So Dean goes to Sam to make sure that he's okay. And then they both go to where Cass is kneeling beside Jack's body. And Dean mentions, like, I thought that the gun was the only thing that could kill Jack. But Cass, having spoke to Chuck at the beginning of the episode, he already has heard the spiel. And he points out that Chuck is a writer and writers lie. Yeah. And and I did like Dean's kind of reaction to that which is like he said well i thought that the the gun was the only thing that could kill him but he almost realizes as he says it like the the gun that chuck gave us yeah it's this almost childish faith yeah that god was being sincere yeah 
And I love that it was Cass who was questioning the whole nature of the gun thing. And it was Sam that was going like, really? Are you sure? Like, we're getting all these questions. And it's just poor Dean who is just fucking besotted with grief that is, yeah, tell me what I can do. Tell me what I need to do to get this done. And he latched onto it so tight. It's he, he even now he's having trouble letting it go. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. Yes. So creep, creepy eye shot. Yeah. We see Jack's <laughs> wings ashed out on the ground, mm. burnt out eyes. And why are we zooming through an eye socket to I go don't to know. the empty? Did I just compliment the directing? Because I don't know about that one. Um, uh, this is the one where I'm like, I didn't need this close-up zoom of a cauterized eye socket. Like, thanks. I'm going to pass. Yeah. And, ooh, yeah. I'm can we like, talk about can we talk about the building of the music? Yes. <laughs> That's straight up as why I was making the noise. I'm like, at what point do I bring this up? Because I have all caps in my notes. God was never on your side starts to play and it's perfect. It's perfect. I actually forgot about this song before I came into the episode today. Ah! And like literally, I I was having fucking war flashbacks because this song full was body stuck, chills was stuck in my head for weeks after the airing of this episode because mm, it's it just perfect. It stuck with you because it just struck you. Perfect. So flawless. Yes, gorgeous. I know. Amazing. I know. Incredible. I know. <laughs> okay. Amazing. Show stopping. <sighs> Jack Indeed. wakes. Yes. He is greeted by the shadow in the empty with a smile on its face. Yes. And he's like, what's happening? And then behind him, Billy speaks and says, yeah, about that. We should talk. Yes. And I'm like, kick my leggy out. I have a whole episode. I need to talk about this. <laughs> well, good thing, because next week we have a whole episode that we can talk about this. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> Back in the cemetery, the ground quakes and the earth is relinquishing the souls from hell into the air. Yes. We we have these cuts in um, of old yes. adversaries resurrected. Vintage. Mm-hmm. We see Bloody Mary from season one. We see the woman in white from the pilot episode. Yeah. Fucking John Wayne Gacy. And, like, as much as I hate John Wayne Gacy, I was like, he was, like, very wasted. one and done. Yes. Wasted in the Lebanon episode. And so to see that he he will be back in season 15. Uh, this was the moment when I was like, okay. So we're just going to fucking undo the last 15 years. Yeah. Of- Control-Alt-Z. Like, oh, my God. I'm sorry. Such my a heart move. just decided to pound out of my chest. Oh, like, my God. Well, perfect moment because this is like a bold. I, I, I'm I, having like war flashbacks, like you say. But this time it is to the spear episode with the fucking Michael Thanos snap. Oh, yeah. And it's like, what does it mean? What's is, the scale of this? Like, oh, yeah. I don't want them to roll this back, but I'm also like, I don't think they could operate at the scale in which I'm envisioning this. Uh, well, talk about that. Um, we have fissures of fire in the earth, and we have these 
uh, souls, these screaming souls, just mm-hmm. uh, bursting from the ground and and falling down back to earth and it's it's very reminiscent of that season eight finale uh angels falling meteor shower um except except now with bonus zombies because we uh, we see these souls being released from hell Mm -hmm. sam asks what's happening and Cass looking up still so distraught he says uh their souls their souls from hell and yes 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 <laughs> yes and-, and this cemetery comes alive with these reanimated dead yeah and- i'm like this can't all like not everyone in the cemetery went to hell so I'm like some of this is just straight up zombos being reanimated and they're there to basically fuck up Team Free Wheel. We don't know what the scale of this is. No, we That's don't. That's the thing. I'm like, oh, again, like my mind is fucking blown. What yeah, the hell? Yeah, I'm like galaxy braining it, but I'm like, mm, I don't know if the show is going. I, what's the scale? What's the scale? What's the scale? I mean, I would love to see the show go balls out. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, but last really? season, you may we as well. We don't know. We don't know. Uh, so we have uh, this horde of uh, reanimated dead that are uh, hungering for brains. <laughs> <laughs> and and we have this great shot. I love it where um Cass draws his angel blade and Dean goes to a fence and he pulls out some spikes that he and Sam can use for handheld weapons and then we have team free will. Team free fucking will standing yes. back to back to back under the weight of this horde of monsters but in this moment they are united yes we have team free will and the final shot is them with the weapons drawn as the horde court closes in yes <laughs> it's so epic and it's good. so good it's so fucking good have we mentioned that we like this episode a lot <laughs> ha I don't know. Did I we? don't know. Remy, let's make sure we mention. It's a really good episode, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, final takeaways? Oh, oh my. <laughs> final- this is our new 20 seconds. We got- <laughs> 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 and we can't just say, like, reference the last two hours of conversation. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, um, did you just hear me? <laughs> <laughs> is that not takeaway <laughs> it's the fucking like gladiator do i not entertain <laughs> anyways holy shit final takeaway yes. of this episode yes um i i can't say chuck i can't <laughs> why not that's the whole point of the episode like why not <laughs> Remy, Fine. who's fucking stopping you? Free will. You, you know what? You know what? You're you're right. You're right. I don't have to be a special snowflake in my own fucking podcast of two people. <laughs> <laughs> I can just take it. So my final takeaway 
has to be Chuck. Um, and oh. you can't have him because you don't even know him. Rude! Sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I take so much shit and abuse. <laughs> I, I, I have to take Chuck because it's just fucking, it's right there. I have to take it. Uh, it it's was in the title. It's in the, oh my God, the meta, in world meta view that this oh, fucking man. episode takes on itself. Man, honestly, you know what? Fuck Chuck. <laughs> the I mean, but Chuck is a part of this, but my final takeaway is just how meta we went with this finale, which really means how meta we're taking season 15. Yes. Yes. Thriving. That's my final takeaway. Because, you know what? Maybe we didn't know that Chuck was the familiar face that we were going to see in this episode. But but we never anticipated that it was going to be as big as this. No. And Chuck is inherently so meta. And it's one of my favorite things about this series. It's one of my favorite things about the show. How we can... Uh, really, like, bring the viewer in to the narrative, invite the viewer in uh, mm-hmm. to it gives us context and it gives it gives us some driving emotion on um, our participation in this finale and again into season 15 because Chuck is a writer and writers lie and mm-hmm. and and Dean and Sam are Chuck's guys his favorite TV show and and now we have the death of the writer you know we get to turn on god and and not god in the biblical sense but but god in the meta sense god in the meta sense and the god that is the puppet master and like 20 seconds i'll limit myself to this but the this is like really the perfect show to bring it to that level because we've had since the early episodes this deep engagement between the show and its fans and here you are in the final season setting up these chess pieces that are basically saying yeah we've gone meta we are looking at this show at the whole we realize like that they've had to constantly fight battle after battle and it's all come down to this the free will that we thought Sam and Dean were experiencing up to this point weren't free at all. And we get to move into season 15 being like, what does actual free will look like? Will they actually get to achieve it? Oh my God. This is the perfect show to be doing this because this is the fan group. This is, we are the people that are like, we're going to engage with you on that level. Like bring it on. As you said earlier in this episode, and I latched on to this phrase and overused it since, but flipping the script, we completely flipped the script in this single episode on what free will is. And and that is the fucking foundations of the show. And we just shined a light on it. Yeah, that. that we can go into season 15 and go back to its 
foundation back yeah. to its core theme and also be going into completely new territory is just a fucking chef's kiss with a firework shooting out at the end of it like <laughs> yes yeah yeah we'll we'll expand on such thoughts uh next episode with our season 15 speculation but yeah be what is your final takeaway? I know I, I just like how your yeah. final takeaway. <laughs> your final takeaway is like, and my favorite thing in the universe is the universe. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. What do I like? <laughs> yeah, no, I was gonna say, I love how my final takeaway was just me taking your thoughts and then <laughs> saying, like, oh yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that one and that one. Ah, okay, so my final takeaway, I guess, is, I mean... Oh, what uh, happened to chicken parmesan, B? No, no, I have one, but the reason why I just faltered there is because I was, like, I wanted to go into God as a white (laughs) dude and death as a black woman, and this being, like, what feels like the final showdown in season 15, but, like, that goes in next episode. Uh Uh-huh. Um... So I think my final takeaway, just I'm going back to Jack. I'm like, I sit in this baby's biased corner and just think about the scope of power. He has the scale and just the complete shallow pool that is his experience with the world. Like when he thought he was dying, it wasn't these big grand things that he was thinking about. It was just, I want time with my family. And he is trying so hard still. He's struggling against what he perceives as all this evidence that he has no soul. And he still is doing his best to be good. I'm like, he's not irredeemable. And even in this episode, when he feels like he's at his lowest moment, thank God Cass is there. And be like, I, like, talking about fractured families, we talked about the way that the Winchesters and how Sam has lost his mom. He's lost his son. And now, like, he's lost a best friend and he's looking to lose his brother. Well, Cass... This is still his family, too, you know? Like, Sam, Dean, Jack, Mary was his family, but the unspoken member of his family is his father, God, and he still was looking to him for hope and for that Hail Mary that is necessary in order to save Jack. And it's really in this episode that Cass has a big fracturing in his family, too, and he really has to draw the lines of who he aligns with and who he moves forward with. And we have seen he, he chose Jack. He is choosing the people. He didn't go with God. He was questioning God this whole way. And like, why is your solution death? Why isn't it saving him? Yeah. Because you know, I didn't really think about it in the moment, but this is such a huge um, uh, development for Cass, as mm-hmm. I, I, as I love to say, Cass has faith. Cass cares more than anybody. He is the guy who always goes to God, who goes to heaven, and 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 here he is the one that's voicing those those doubts. And and that's just that that's insane to me. I mean, to even you know, it it, it is such a uh. 
it is such a subversion of his character, but in a good way, you know? Yeah, because it's not that he doubts Chuck. It's really that in this moment, what he's trying to do is he's looking out for the best interests of Jack and he's trying, like, is this really the last solution? It's not, are no. you sure, God? It's, it is like, is this what we have to do? It's growth. And, oh, my God, my son. <laughs> and Jack as well. Like, we did not end this season with Jack as the villain. And we can talk about this more. Oop, I knocked my mic. Uh, <laughs> we can talk about this more next week. But a lot, like, a big question that went through this season was, what are we going to do with Jack? And we end this season with, despite the fact that Jack killed Mary Winchester. Mm-hmm. Jack is not the villain. No. He he is not the monster at the end of this book. Yes. Oh my god. I love that the meta writers pointed out that that episode title, it was the first introduction of Chuck. And then here we are seeing yes. who the monster really is at the end. Yes. Who is the monster at the end of the book? It's It's not Jack. Mm-hmm. I'm like, <laughs> only fucking Supernatural could be like, yeah, our final season, the end game boss is you fight God. Like, I love this show. I love it too. Oh, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> so, 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 so that was uh, the season finale of season 14 mm-hmm. of Supernatural. Episode 20, Moria. <laughs> yeah. I, when I said Supernatural, like, I, I, I had a, I hope you can picture the title card, like, flash. <laughs> Supernatural. Anyways. um, uh, uh, That was Moria. And next week, we will uh, do a season 14 retrospective, uh, season 15 look forward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh season 15 speculation app if you would and then the week after that it's fucking here guys it's episode one of season 15 we are so close we're to so... the beginning of the end well don't say that <laughs> i i said it and i was immediately like i retract that statement <laughs> oh my gosh yeah. so so, um, <laughs> so you guys know the drill. We have Twitter, we have Tumblr, we have our email, we have our website, we are working on transcripts, so we'll get more up for you there. And we have something new, don't we, Remy? Yeah, we have our Patreon at No Chocolate Moments. So uh, hit us up over there. We have some special content already out. It's free for download. No patron exclusive content yet because we wanted to give you guys a flavor of uh, what we're going to be putting out. Um, But there will be uh, descriptions of our patron levels and and the kind of special content that you guys are going to be able to access um we're going to start really pushing out some stuff because we know we're going to have a lot of bonus uh in season 15 so it's going to be great it's going to be exciting yeah 
And we're not really doing this to be like, oh, and here's exclusive content, please throw us money. It's a way of supporting the show because there are costs that are associated with running a podcast. And it's giving us sort of the ability to get more time out to you. We're thinking through season 15, there's going to be special episodes and things like that that we're going to do that don't really fit in with our current um, podcast RRS feed, but you'll see what we mean if you go visit our Patreon site at No Chick Flick Moments. Yeah, and I'm just really excited to expand on what we're doing here because I know that we always say like, oh, but that's not for now, but yeah, yeah. now we have a place to put that, okay, now yeah, content, yeah. which is good. So anyways... Um, thank, thank you guys so much for sticking through with us to this point. I mean, it's 20 episodes in and I feel like we're really strong and we're really grateful that you guys are here. And if this is the first episode that you have picked up from us, holy cow, welcome. We <laughs> are feeling a little bit manic today and we really hope you enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we had a fantastic time recording, obviously, and we hope that you had just as much fun listening. So we'll uh, see you guys next week. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. I love how we were like at the hour and a half mark and we're like, there's no way there's going to be another hour and a half. And then (laughs) love it.